Welcome to the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I'm Deborah Herlax Enos, a small town girl turned TV nutritionist and healthy living expert. I design health programs for the average guy or gal, including those average guys named Metallica. On September 1st, 2020, I was diagnosed with breast cancer. I asked every oncologist the same question, why did I get cancer? But none of my doctors had good answers for me. I wanted answers and that's why I started this podcast. I wanna help you to lower your cancer risk and provide self-care tips for those in the battle. I'm getting answers and I wanna share them with you. Okay, I have to tell you, today's takeaway was terrifying, (laughs) but at the same time, I really felt like I walked away with so much education of some simple ways to improve my air quality. So today's episode is an interview with Michael Rubino, who is an air quality expert. We had an amazing conversation about how polluted our indoor air is, and I had no idea. And he also was saying that we spend 90 plus percent of our time indoors, and there is a link between spending so much time indoors and how sick people have really become from everything he was suggesting to Alzheimer's, to alopecia, to even cancer. So when I asked Michael, what's one thing I can do today to improve the quality of air in my home? He said, take a look at what you're cleaning your home with. Give today's episode a listen. I know you're going to walk away with as much information as I did. And it's really, honestly, can be life-changing for the health of yourself and for your family. Okay, well, welcome, Michael Rubino, air quality expert to the podcast, Why Did I Get Cancer? And I have been so excited about this podcast because I have so many questions about air quality. And I'm just wondering (laughs) a couple things. First of all, how did you become an air quality expert? And secondly, how does indoor air quality gets so bad that the outdoor air qualities can actually be better. Yeah, not not many people dream of becoming an air quality expert when they're when they're kids. And so uh, my journey is pretty interesting. My dad's been in construction since I'm five years old. Uh, so I've been around homes my entire life, the construction of homes. Um, I've watched homes get burnt down and rebuilt and uh, many different types of restoration of different homes. And it really wasn't until after Hurricane Sandy that hit the northeast of the U.S. where I started to realize, um, hey, our air quality and the environments in which we live are extremely important to human health. And this is because hundreds of people were getting sick inside their homes that were either poorly remediated or just weren't remediated properly. That really started to... I started to see some health effects and I started to see this pattern of, of different health effects, which really made me want to get more interested in how can I help with this? How can I help these people who are looking at guidance? And so it was one of those remarkable things of just trial and error and developing different processes to figure out what is the root cause of what, what's, what's going on in, in people's homes. So that's really how the journey started. And I'm about, uh, I'm about my 11th year into this journey now. And um, one of the most remarkable things that I can tell you is that out of, after helping thousands of people create healthier environments, improve their air quality, I've seen the most remarkable health transformations that really makes us question and wonder why we haven't known about this much sooner. Well, yeah, that's, that's one of my questions. Why, I guess it's a little bit like germs, right? We don't see germs, so maybe we don't 
you know, wash our hands more efficiently and effectively. But we also don't see particulate matter in the air usually, unless, you know, maybe you're, you know, taking a a blanket off the sofa and (laughs) shaking it, you see some things in the air. (laughs) So why is indoor air quality so different than outdoor air quality? Well, what's interesting about indoor air quality and why it's so important actually is the fact that we spend 90% of our time indoors according to the EPA. So that's a lot of time. Um, And, you know, especially post-COVID world, where a lot of us work from home, we're spending probably even more than that 90% indoors. And so you get down to this perspective of I'm breathing 20,000 breaths per day, which by the way is the average number of breaths that we all breathe each day. You have a lot of opportunity for particulate matter to enter the body. And a lot of us live in homes that some, some of them might be brand new, some of them might be 100 years old. And so you're going to have this history of water damage from when it was being built. You're going to have a history of water damage from when it was being occupied by previous owners, maybe even stuff that you didn't realize. And water is kind of Earth's life source, right? So pretty much humans need water. We know that. We can't go more than a few days without it. Um, But also, so so does pretty much every little microorganism on this planet, like bacteria, like mold, even viruses. Um, And so when we get to this perspective of what is actually entering our body, it's a whole host of stuff that we probably don't know much about and are not aware of. Wow. Okay. So terrifying. (laughs) Terrifying. I live in an old house. It's about 75 years old in Seattle where it rains nine months a year. So how do you know? How do you know if you are living in a safe environment with your family and your children versus an unsafe environment? Well, I'm glad you asked and not to plug a product here, but this is one of the reasons why I developed something called the dust test. So you can literally collect dust from across your house and it uses PCR technology. We may have remembered that term from COVID, uh, which is a DNA specific analysis to understand what exactly is in our dust. Now, why our dust, right? Because a lot of people say, well, if I want to know my air quality, shouldn't I test my air? The problem with air testing is you're only getting a small microcosm of actually what you're breathing in, what you're around, because there's so much volume of air inside your home. Versus dust, where dust kind of migrates and settles and moves across our house. If you don't believe me, go sit near a window on a sunny day and you'll see all the as the light refracts off the dust, you'll see how much dust you're actually breathing in constantly. And that's really what happens, right? So we have, I mean, I don't want to scare anybody here, but you have VOCs, you have formaldehyde, you have mold, you have bacteria, you have virus particles. All of this stuff becomes part of our dust. And so if we have a lot of these contaminants inside of our dust, which happens in water damage environments, you're going to be breathing a lot of that stuff in, where then it starts to disrupt the immune system, it can disrupt organs, and can even some of this stuff can even cause cancer, right? And so we want to be really diligent about the air quality because it's really never been on our radar as a society. If you actually look at it, I'll tell you my theory here is because we have never been sicker than we are today. I mean, this isn't just an opinion, this is a fact. It is a fact. Over 60% of the global population deals with at least one chronic condition and 40% of the global population deals with multiple chronic conditions. Chronic condition or chronic disease, meaning the disease of which has no cure, most of which we don't even understand how we become susceptible to in the first place. So my whole hope is that people start looking at air quality as a potential uh, disruptor here, because when you start to put together the stats, 
you start to see how bad of in shape we are across the world with respects to air quality, it really starts to become alarming. Yeah, I think I'm I think I'm feeling some alarm <laughs> inside my body right now. So I don't want to I don't want to be in fear. I want to be in action. And I feel like I, I want to get this dust test. So I'll certainly tag that in the show notes. I'll get that information from you. Do you, Michael, have any information? Are are people who who spend more time outdoors usually healthier than those who spend more time indoors? Well, I think in the current climate, that would probably be true because, you know, according to EPA studies, more than 50% of homes have a history of water damage. There was an amazing EPA study that came out just in 2019, the Healthy Home Survey 2, which basically says that 100% of homes that they, had, that they tested using that same PCR technology had mold, 100% of them. I mean, not, not 50%, not 60%, 100%. Like 97% of them had aspergillus, which can cause aspergillosis, which produces cancer-causing mycotoxins. And so we have a lot of homes being impacted by that. And so when you just put those two things together, forget about all the other stuff, right? We actually come to this situation where we are breathing in more harmful air inside than outside, where outside you have a almost infinite dilution of air, whereas inside... A lot of these homes are built tighter these days, more energy efficient. Even if you have a 75-year-old home, odds are you've done some remodeling over the years and you've had to upgrade to, to standardized codes, which means that the, the home is now, it was engineered to breathe and now it's it's being retrofitted to basically not breathe, right? And now we're in this situation where the whole environment's different, right? And I think one of the pitfalls of energy efficiency is we forgot to think about the people living inside these energy efficient homes. And this, this lack of air exchange, it doesn't allow the dilution of particles that we once had maybe 50 years ago. And so now we're in this situation where, unfortunately, yeah, most likely the air you're breathing inside is going to be way worse than outside unless you take action and do something about the indoor environment. Wow. Okay. So I think about when I was a kid, I grew up on a little farm in Northern California and I spent most of my life outside. But today with our kids, maybe we live in an area that's a little more dangerous or um, kids love to be inside playing video games and watching TV. So do you think that that living more inside and not having that air exchange is impacting the health of our children? I mean, totally. You know, there are a lot of studies that talk about the behavioral difficulties that kids can have living in toxic indoor environments. Um, you're seeing uh, an increase in pans and pandas. Can you talk about what pans and pandas? Yeah, so it's a it's a it's a neuropsychiatric disorder um, in in children that essentially causes them to have behavioral outbursts um, that are uncontrollable. I've seen so many kids with pans and pandas over the years that in these these toxic environments, they are a completely different person. Um, and y- y- the story is always remarkable. It's always, you know, we moved into this house and all ever since we moved into this house, my son or my daughter has never been the same. Once they get out of the environment or change the environment, go on vacation even, they notice that the child improves remarkably. So we have this pans and pandas, right? There's a lot of studies going around with autism and how indoor toxic indoor environments might correlate with autism. 
which really is also another difficulty that kids are experiencing that really there's no cure. We, we don't really even understand the full cause of it. Right. And 50 years ago, I don't remember the statistics now, but I'll tag it in the show notes, but maybe it was one in 500 kids. And now I think it's one in 50 have autism. I mean, it's the, the numbers are staggering. Uh, the crazy part about this is we can literally pick any disorder, any disease, any difficulty people are faced with, and you will see that those numbers have been increasing over time. And that is, you know, why I'm such an alarmist in this, not to drive fear into people, but I want people to be able to take action because we have to figure out some way to reverse it because what we've been doing is not working. It's not working. Yeah. It's only getting worse and it's accelerating. When I look at cancer rates, you know, maybe it was one in three. And now, according to one of my podcasts, former podcast guests, we're looking at in the next few years, one out of two people will have cancer. Yeah, not good. We also have an interesting correlation with alopecia. I've seen several people develop alopecia living in indoor environments where (gasps) it doesn't matter what treatment they try, their hair is not coming back. The second they fix the environment or leave from the environment, their hair miraculously grows back. Wow. Unexplainable things that people are experiencing when they're in, in, in bad environments. And the craziest thing about this is most people have no idea they're in a bad environment. Because we can't see it. We can't see bad air unless it's you yeah. know smoke, right? Right. It's 25 to 50 times smaller than what the eye can see. That's the, that's the particle size of what we're talking about. And so if you don't test for it, You have no idea what you're actually breathing in. Okay. So to face this and to make change without fear, can I just do some simple things like, first of all, not spend 90% of my time indoors. So, you know, it's easier in the winter, you know, it's cold and rainy in Seattle. It's so much easier after work for me to just sit on my sofa and watch Netflix or read a book, but maybe I need to go for a 10 or 15 minute walk after work and be outside. Yeah. I think there are a lot of different simple things we can do. You know, one, we can test our environment just like we, you know, test our bodies all the time to see what's going on, making sure we're in good shape. Right. This is a home health check, something many people have never done before. That's that's an easy thing we can do. And if the data shows that there's problems, we can figure out what those problems might be. Sometimes it's as simple as, hey, you need to change the filter in your HVAC and get your HVAC cleaned. You haven't cleaned it in 10 years. Sometimes it's as simple as looking at how you're cleaning your home. A, a lot of a lot of people don't use the right products when they clean. They're not disinfecting and cleaning at the same time. So they're leaving a lot of these particles. Sometimes people are cleaning with the wrong materials. For example, microfiber is going to be 100 times more effective at removing these contaminants than like a paper towel would be. Sometimes it's just little tweaks to remove this accumulation of dust. Because as I said earlier, we test our dust to see what's going on because so much of this stuff settles and becomes a part of our dust. So you know, if you ever have a buildup of dust uh, across the home, which can happen, especially in you know, the elderly communities. We're, we're in this environment where we're going to be a lot more susceptible to illness because we're breathing in so much of these contaminants. So looking at how we clean our homes. Things like air purifiers are great. We purify our water. Purifying our air is probably a good idea. And they make whole home air purification systems where you could actually put one in your HVAC system. And now your whole HVAC system is purifying your air every time it's running which is great. Uh, So there are things we can do that don't cost an arm and a leg, 
The problem is, is that we have never before known we needed to do those things, right? Right. It's awareness. And that's, that's why I'm here. Hopefully, uh, you know, not to scare people, but to educate them and, and see how important this missing link really is and how we can take action against it. Right. Because if you, if you don't test for it, you don't know that this is a problem, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Just like I get my blood work done a couple of times a year. I, you know, I, I'm a breast cancer survivor. So I'm, I'm under breast cancer surveillance twice a year for the next five years. So we, there's a test now, it sounds like. So why wouldn't we test our homes and then figure out, it sounds like there's some low cost ways to fix it and some other ways that are <laughs> going to be a little bit more expensive. But could yeah. it be as simple, Michael, as keeping our doors and windows, like the windows cracked a little bit all the time, having more plants in our house, doing a better job vacuuming or with a HEPA filter? Yeah. I mean, all of those things that you mentioned, if done correctly, can definitely improve the indoor environment. You know, opening windows and doors when it's nice out, not too humid. You don't want to, you know, increase the humidity inside the house. When you open doors and windows, you want to turn your HVAC system off so you're not potentially causing condensation to develop and water damage that way. You know, obviously, you also want to pay attention to the air quality outside. You know, if you happen to live and there's a forest fire nearby and you have all this smoke, might not be a good idea to open the windows that day. But there are definitely all those things are important. Now, the only caveat with plants is a lot of plants are in clay pots. Clay pots are semi-porous. And when you water them, the water can seep into the floor below you. So get get like a rubber mat that you put the, the pot on top of, because I can't tell you how many times I've had to cut out sections of floor from, from pot leaks over the years. Other than that, obviously plants produce oxygen, you know, that's, it's, it converts carbon dioxide into oxygen. This is something that's, that's great for air quality when you're avoiding some of the pitfalls. Right. Right. So it sounds like there's a, a lot of different ways to approach this, you know, without, you know, Again, being so focused on fearful, which is kind of my thought of hearing all of this from you is, oh my gosh, what can I do in my house? But it sounds like there's some, again, some some simple alternatives that we can even start today just by how we're cleaning our house, being careful about the plants in our house, and again, keeping the doors or windows a little bit cracked. Yeah, I mean, there are, there are so many easy to do things that you can do right now to take control of the environment. As scary as this sounds, because you know it is. It's it's something new. It's something unknown. Many of us don't know about. The really important part of this conversation is the fact that if we know about it, we can do something about it. And if we don't know about it, that's how we continue to get sicker and sicker. And so we have to kind of start to really look at this from this perspective of, okay, I do take 20,000 breaths per day. I have no idea what I'm breathing in and I should probably figure that part out. And then what, can, what are some simple things I can do today to start to make a difference? And if we do that, we start to see health transformations. I had a client, her name is Shannon Hill. This woman was so sick living in her home for three years. There was a couple different water damage events. She had uh, three kids and after the third pregnancy... She got so sick that she actually had to install a GJ feeding tube into her lower intestine to essentially essentially get the, the nutrients she needed to survive. She was diagnosed with POTS. Uh, she had 60-plus uh, different symptoms. We got tested, testing of her house done. We found that there were extraordinary levels of mold and bacteria inside the home. 
due to this water damage. Then she had thought that it was fixed properly. Her husband was on it, right? They called people. They, they, it looked like it was fixed, but scientifically, we found out that it really wasn't. Within seven days of her moving out of her house, when I say moving out of her house, I mean she got like an RV on her property and moved into the RV, 250 square feet for a couple of weeks while her house was getting renovated. Within seven days of moving into that RV, GJ feeding tube's gone, she's walking again. And this is someone who is bedbound 95% of the time. So it's it's really crazy to see how much this impacts some people's health. And obviously that's an extreme case we're talking about. But there are so many people walking around on this planet right now that are feeling sick and have no idea why. And it could be that they're living inside the problem. And that's what I think for me is, is what I'm so passionate about because I'm just watching our civilization get worse and worse. I'm watching this world where my kids are going to grow up in not really have the information they need to be healthy and happy. And so I'm hoping that if even one person listens to this and says, you know what, I'm going to check my house. I haven't been feeling myself. That's a victory for me. You know, think about illness for a second. We all normalize it. We do normalize it. We normalize that one in two people will get cancer in the next 10 years. We do. We say, this is normal. This is just part of life. You know, I, I drew the short, the, the short stick here. We say, I'm getting older. You know, this is how I'm supposed to feel when I'm getting older. The average person who turns 50 is so different from the average person who turned 50 just 50 years ago. So true. I mean, yeah, it's almost like we turned 50 and we were supposed to have one foot in the coffin already. You know, we're supposed to have no energy. We're supposed to feel like crap all the time. I mean, that's not normal. That's not. Right. Not sleeping well, you know, chronic conditions where we're taking, you know, five or six medications a day. But yeah. we... But we've, we've normalized, normalized it. it, but it's not normal. You don't have to feel that way. And and what if the way you're feeling has to do with your environment? And all I'm asking is that people check because if it's something that they can check off their list and it's not their environment, then good. They can check, rule that out and go on to something else. But I'll tell you, there's such a high percentage of people that when they check their environment, they realize, oh, wow, I could do better. And, and maybe I should. Okay, I don't need to remind you that the holidays are on the way, which is terrifying, but also exciting. Especially exciting because my friends at ButcherBox are offering my community a free 10 to 12 pound turkey and $20 off of your first box. So if you want to reduce your stress over the holiday season and serve your friends and family, honestly, just the most amazing turkey ever... Use this deal. Go to my show notes, click the link, and then use the code ENOS for $20 off your first box and your free turkey. Happy Thanksgiving. Again, we're spending 90% of our time indoors. So why wouldn't you check now that, I mean, I've I really learned something today that there's a test and um, we've had our home checked for mold before, but it was an air check, an air quality check. And it sounds like that's not the most efficient and effective way to go, that I really need to be testing my dust. Yeah, because basically when you test air, it collects 75 milliliters of air. It's not a lot of air, all right? In a 10 by 10 room, to get a full scope of testing inside of a room to really understand every potential inside that room, you would probably need to do 15 different air samples inside that one room. So 
you have a 2,500 square foot house, let's say, I mean, just that, that number is going to be staggering where you can do one dust test in that 2,500 square foot house. And you'll get an average of exactly what you're breathing in. It's DNA specific. You'll get all these different species, which you can then correlate, by the way, this is the best part. You can correlate with different toxins that you might have in your body. Really? Which is just the most fascinating new frontier into holistic health that we're, that we're seeing. Um, and obviously there's a lot of studies being done. We're going to learn a lot over the next decade, but it is really cool to see. And I've seen so many clients where they're like, I have really high levels of toxin A. I've been seeing this doctor. They told me to check for mold. We check for mold. We'll see really high levels of aspergillus, the exact mold that produces the high levels of toxin A. I mean, you're seeing the correlation. And then watching them improve from a health perspective as they make this transformation. How rewarding to know that, right, this is something they've been battling probably for years. And it was as simple as let's test the quality of air in your home. Let's mitigate it. Let's figure out you know, what we can do from, again, air filters to changing out the H, you know, the filter in your HVAC system. And people, you're seeing people get better. Like remarkably so. Um, I mean, I I still get holiday cards from clients that I did 10 years ago. Um, You know, thank you so much. Uh, My life is significantly improved. You know, every, every year I look back and reflect on this. This is the best decision I ever made in my life. Thank you. You know, it's like, it's very, very, very rewarding, of course. Of course. But, you know, wow. the, the, the amazing thing about this is that we don't know what we don't know. There is so much we don't know. What I do know is I've seen the most remarkable transformations. Unfortunately, the part that we don't know is we don't know the full extent of everything that our environment can cause to our bodies. You know, and when it comes to cancer, this is one big area that we need more studies on to see some of the data come out because there are certain species of mold that are that produce mycotoxins that are known to be carcinogenic. As a matter of fact, we have all this research for decades that we've been using in the agricultural industry, right? Because we have wheat, we have flour, we have all these things in in the, the agricultural industry that affects human health by consumption you know, because we're eating these foods. So when we have foods contaminated by mycotoxins, it's a big problem. So the FDA actually ha- helps regulate mycotoxins in food. But the unfortunate part is we're not thinking about how that translates into the home industry because we can in- in- inhale mycotoxins in our own homes, which by the way, it's so small, it bypasses our self-defense mechanisms. And then it enters our bloodstream. So essentially what you inhale when it's that small, you also ingest. Okay. I did not realize that. So the FDA monitors mycotoxins in food, but nobody's watching our air. So it's it's, it's up to us to take care of the air inside of our own homes. It is one of those things that I think has just slipped under the radar. I think you're right. It's just it's not being talked about. It's not taught in schools. It's not taught in medicine programs when doctors about. are being educated. It's yeah. just not talked about. And yeah. this is one of these discoveries that we're obviously learning more and more about as time goes on. Um, the, the U.S. government is finally appropriating 
um, some real funds behind air quality studies, uh, partly thanks to COVID. Um, so we are really on the cusp of learning more and more about this as time goes on. But unfortunately, you know, it's a lot of time has passed. Right. A lot of people have been impacted. And for right now, while there are no real protections in place, while there are still emerging studies and data coming out, we have to kind of take matters into our own hands, which at least it's feasible right. and possible. It is. As I was preparing for our conversation, I read, I believe it was a Spanish study discussing the inhalation of particulate matter and increased breast cancer rates. And I, I said to myself, hold on, I can understand breathing particulate matter and, ha- and, and having a higher risk for lung cancer, but breast cancer? How, how is that possible? Do you know anything about those, the studies with indoor air quality and cancer? Well, I do. And it's mainly because a lot of these indoor pathogens can be carcinogenic. And, you know, if it's deposited on the lungs, right? And I'll tell you why most of the time it's not deposited on the lungs because it's just far too small. It's bypassing. If it's deposited on the lungs, then yes, you're more likely to develop lung cancer because then the cells start to replicate themselves uncontrollably. And that's really what cancer is. But when it bypasses that and it starts to enter our GI tract, that's where things really become awry because now it can easily spread throughout the body, right? Because now it can impact different organs. And so we're really getting to this situation where a lot of this particulate matter, especially ones that are known human carcinogens that are entering the body, the body has to fight to remove them. And if you're overloaded, meaning there's so much present, your body can't possibly remove as much as you're constantly inhaling and then ingesting. So you get to this situation where you're now more susceptible to something like breast cancer. Or uh, there's really all types of cancers that, that we're seeing an increase in some of these studies coming out that show air pollution is a cause. I mean, Cancer Research UK just came out with a study that 10%, they believe 10% of all cancers is caused by air pollution, which is, yeah, I think the number is probably more conservative, but really? still... Oh. That's that's like the second highest next to smoking, right? Where they've actually come out and said, this is a, a, a pretty significant number. Uh, 10% is not a small number. It's you know, not a small by number, any means right. When it comes to human life. So we have to start looking at this from this perspective of really what is the breadth of impact on human health mm-hmm. when it comes to poor air quality? And, and this is obviously outdoor as well. But especially where we spend most of our time, which happens to be the indoor environment. Right. right. And when we understand that, which obviously is going to take more and more research, which means more and more funding. Mm -hmm. But when we understand that, we're going to have more access to information to be able to make better choices. Right. Right Right now, there's so few of us really preaching to this choir. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, people like myself, where you have to really go out and search for the information. Mm Mm-hmm. But when you stumble upon it, you'll be happy you did. Well, and you you bring up so many good points with that. You know, there there does need to be more research, but we're also talking, that's going to take a lot of time. And so we could let more years go by without really addressing this. So what is what is one thing I could do today to make my indoor air better, which might protect me from 
getting sick or ever getting cancer again. So first question I have for you, do you use any chemicals in cleaning? I don't now, but I did my entire life because I actually, confession, I like the smell of bleach. It makes me feel like things are clean. You know, and I think we've been programmed like that way because bleach has been so popular over the past few decades. Um, here's the thing. Everybody should look at their cleaning closet. We all have a cleaning closet with our cleaning products. And anything that is chemical-based, we should toss away. That's one thing we can do because just like mold, just like bacteria, chemicals also produce these particles that are entering our body every time we breathe, especially with these tighter-built homes these particles just become a part of our environment. They have nowhere else to go. Uh, so anything that you can do, um, clean, we clean regularly. Anything you can do with that side of things, toss chemicals, replace them with botanical alternatives. These are more plant-based. I can tell you right now there are products that are 100% botanical that are completely safe for humans and pets that get rid of harmful things like mold and bacteria that are EPA-registered botanical disinfectants that you could switch to that would be a huge upgrade to you right now. That's, that's one easy thing we can do. The second thing, if you can get it a whole home air purification system, meaning you're in a house, you own it, it's your HVAC system, you can install one of these things in your HVAC system, a good one will cost you a couple grand, but it is the best couple thousand bucks you can spend because it will trap and remove all these tiny particles like mold and bacteria from circulating around your house. And it'll protect the evaporator coil, which is really the most vulnerable part of the HVAC because it always condensates. So mold and bacteria start to grow in it pretty easily. So that is another thing you can do that would make a drastic difference on the quality of air. The third thing you can do is you can be honest with yourself about how thoroughly the house is getting cleaned on a somewhat regular basis, at least bi-weekly at the latest. Because if you start having stuff where there's an inch of dust covered on stuff, you know, you have places in your house that really never get cleaned, that are often neglected in this routine cleaning, you really want to start to take a look at that because the buildup of dust is going to be the buildup of all this other stuff we don't want to be breathing in. And, you know, if you can't improve the HVAC system or you're renting Get yourself some air purifiers, the ones that plug in. Find one that can remove the smallest particle possible. All the other bells and whistles, they're not as effective as they are marketed as. You just want something that can remove the smallest particle at the highest efficiency rate. And so, you know, have at it looking for the best thing within your budget and make sure you get a couple of those. And I think the last thing that we can do is... Look for signs of water damage. If you see that a window has been leaking, you know that a window has been leaking, you go out there and you recock it all the time, uh, you, you might want to make sure you have a, a little bit better of a permanent fix or it's going to keep happening and it's going to keep impacting your air quality. So look for the obvious things like that. Dehumidifiers are another key. We have to keep our house between 35 and 50% relative humidity. If it goes 60% or above, you're in the danger zone where mold and bacteria can flourish. That's a great tip, yeah. So thinking of things like your basement, thinking of things like your crawl space, which if you have one, you probably never go down there. Might be a disgusting dark dungeon full of spiders and maybe some mold and bacteria, right? We want to make sure we're controlling those spaces because 
Now, people say this to me all the time, Mike, I never go in my crawl space. Why should I care about it? Well, because it's affecting 30% of the air you breathe right upstairs. 30% because air rises, right? So our lowest points affect our air quality more than we think. So if you have that damp basement or that damp crawl space, let's get it, let's get it conditioned. Let's get a dehumidifier in there. Let's control that moisture content. And, you know, look, if you can invest in it and do some mold remediation, if you know you have mold down there, I think it'd be very valuable for you. It'd be a good investment. And if you financially can't afford it, let's get a dehumidifier. Let's go, let's clean as much as we can down there and let's get it under control. Oh my gosh. <laughs> These are incredible tips. I, um, I actually don't feel fearful now. At the beginning of our conversation, uh, full disclosure, We've had water damage before in this house and we've had a huge water water damage in our office which we can which is no longer inhabitable and you know I I just had all these feelings rising up like oh my gosh what am I breathing right now but I I feel like you've you've really given me and my community some some great tools and some of them might be pricey and some of them are really not pricey at all. Change your cleaning products out to things that are less toxic. And I'll, I'll get, I'll find out from you, which are your favorites and I'll tag those in the show notes. But Michael, thank you so much. I, I thought I knew a lot about air quality and it turns out I didn't know a whole lot. But now I feel like I'm I've, I'm really educated. Well, well, that's awesome to hear. I'll tell you this: I still learn new things every day. This is a much, a very much so, an evolving science, a developing uh, process to making sure we have better indoor environments. And I know I came in hot, and uh, you know I may, I may <laughs> you did I may have hot, scared some it. people, but. <laughs> Um, hopefully you see that, you know, this, this passion of mine is, is deep rooted in the fact that, you know, I have grandparents, I have kids, I I have family, I have people that around me that are constantly getting sick. The phone calls that I get on a daily basis, you know, it's heartbreaking. I just, I just want everyone to, you know, really put this on their radar. And as you can see, the steps that I've given you, they're not impossible to achieve. They're not. Yeah. They're they're not. Yeah. I, I mean, I think that they're really doable. And of course, if I think about doing all five or all six or um, in one day, that's not going to happen. But I can, I can take a look at my cleaning closet and just make sure that everything I have is non-toxic and plant-based. And that is a phenomenal place to start. And the other thing is dusting. I... Um, I'm not a great duster. So I'm going to get some microfiber cloths and I'm going to, I'm going to do a better job with that. I think it's a great idea. It, it removes 100 times more contaminants, 100 times more effective at removing these contaminants. And it is so much better for our health, which is why it's so important. Right, right. People need awareness of this topic and... I've been in healthcare for almost 30 years and I other than having an air purifier in my house that's where I that's where I stopped. Well, there there's going to be a dust test coming your way. Uh, we're going to make sure we're going to test not guess and we're going to make sure you're in tip-top shape. Very excited. <laughs> Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Michael Rubino, thank you so much for coming on Why Did I Get Cancer? I 
I tell you, I've, I have learned so much today and I'm, I'm really grateful for your time. Thank you so much for having me and for making this amazing platform, for taking the time out of, of your busy day to educate people on such an important topic. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining me today on the Why Did I Get Cancer podcast. I've got my shopping guide for all of my cancer self-care items in the show notes, along with information about today's guest and our show's sponsors. And don't forget to subscribe to my podcast so you never miss an episode. Keep in mind, I'm not a doctor. I'm just a gal that got diagnosed with cancer and wanted answers. If you need medical advice, please be sure to consult with a medical professional. And thank you for listening. 